Hey, Rage. How's it going, dude? All right. It's been a while. Yeah. This band's my favorite. Don't you love them? Yeah, it's going to be the best. I'm so stoked. Hey, girl. You want a beer? All right. Aw, man. This is the best. I'm so glad we're all back together and stuff. This is great. Hey, um, do you guys know about the party after the show? Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to go, but um, my friends don't really want to go. Can I get a ride? Hello, and welcome to We Are Weezer, episode 37. My name is Rachel, and I'm your host. Before we get going, We Are Weezer is a podcast about Weezer. My co-host, Juliet, and I pick a Weezer song, research the crap out of it, and find a bunch of interesting fun facts that we can tell you all about. We rate the song with our special rating system. And sometimes we have a fun segment, guest host, Weezer news, all kinds of stuff. This is actually part two of a very special three-part series, our interview with Carl Cook, who is the unofficial fifth member of Weezer. Carl spent a long time with me on this interview and I really appreciate it and feel honored to have him on as our guest. Luckily we had so many questions and answers that we had to split it up into three shows. So without further ado, here is part two of our Carl interview series. I hope you guys like it. Well, it's nice to, nice to see you again. <laughs> you too. Hopefully all the traveling went well. And oh, No, it didn't, but that's okay. <laughs> it, oh, the, it went, I can't believe you flew to Mexico for one, I know. one evening. Yeah, it, was a, it, was a, it would have been too much effort for one show, except that we had to shoot a bunch of other stuff uh, before the show. Oh, okay. And it, I guess I can't really talk about what we shot, but um, it was important enough that if I could make it, it, it mattered. It would be a big pain in the butt yeah. if we hadn't done it then, because we'd be we'd only have one more opportunity, and that's tomorrow in Philadelphia, and that's because that's the last really show I'm going to be at this year. So we got it. So that made all the horrific travel worth it. <laughs> <laughs> did it have to be in Mexico, or did it did it have to be because it was only when everyone it was, was only together. it was just where everyone's together. That was the whole point. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, the show itself was, was really good. So, you know, it was good. It was a good show to be at. But uh, if it had just been that, it would have been like, wow, that was a lot of delays and problems just for getting to a show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did the did the Mexico fans, are there a lot of them? Yes. Are they super popular? Yeah. There? They're not super popular, but they have very hardcore fan base and it's a, we've only played Mexico like three times total now. So that they're very deprived wow. and they're very, you know, hyper into it. You know, I mean, I, I don't know how big this festival really was. It felt like there's about 10,000 people there, which is not a big festival by festival standards, but they mm-hmm. were all going crazy. So I guess it, you know, it felt big, you know, cause the love was there. Yeah. And they have a, me and my rivers are actually talking about this. They have a thing and it's not just Mexico, but certain countries that are not the United States, they really love songs that, and they love singing along and they, they're not cool, like cooler than thou. And they're not, it's sort of like different than almost like the kind of American, almost like, you know, hyper clean pop hip hop crowd where it's like, yeah, people might be into it, but they're not going to like 
get corny and you know and, and show you that they're into it. And in, right. in, in Mexico, it's like you can have the biggest corniest top forty song, and like everybody will be so happy and singing along to it. So a band like Weezer isn't like top forty, but like they're so into bands in that way that like there's no shame there's no shyness it's just like they just let it all hang out and it's really cool to see they're having fun yeah i mean it's like you know american weezer shows you also see that but sometimes you see a show where people are kind of just like hanging back like you know nodding their head a little bit and they're not that but not in mexico it's crazy there so it's cool to see like they freak out they freak out and it's like and and it's like this like camaraderie that you just it's very it's different it's like it really feels like they have absolutely no problem with like just being brotherly you know what i mean it's it's a different vibe mm-hmm. huh yeah. that's interesting yeah. it's like something about the culture yeah and there's other countries that have that too but mexico definitely has it big time oh like like doing crowd surfing and like not hugging even so, each other not even and so singing, much it's just or... like this sort of like weird like this joy and this like sing-along thing that's like very intense you know huh. yeah i'd like to see that yeah. i wonder Maybe like that's something to put, I don't know, on video one day, like all the different countries and how they are. Cause I've heard that like in Japan, they're very quiet or well, they're to quiet, be respectful. They're, they're very quiet between songs because they want to, they're very focused on what the singer's saying. Like, like they, 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 they'll clap and then stop like on a dime in unison <laughs> because like, well, what if he says something? We want to hear what he says. So it's, oh, it's kind of, okay. it's kind of funny like that. It, but they still sing during the music? Oh, yeah. They go crazy. Um, it's getting more Americanized. Like I remember in the mm-hmm. in the nineties, it was weird how quiet they were and you know, in between songs. And then over time, like like they start realizing, well, it's kinda cool to like shout something or do something in between songs. So now more people are or doing just, that. You know, like they're kind of like Yeah, the, say I love you I love you really. They're sort of they're kinda of like adapting more and more to like I guess you could say like, you know, American or UK rock norms over time. But twenty years or ago just like it was very different. They're they're culture might just be relaxing a little bit. It is. It's definitely, it definitely is. It will never be that relaxed, but it's more relaxed than it used to be. I, I think, you know, maybe there was different kinds of people in our country, but like in the United States, it was kind of like that in the fifties, like you had to be a certain yeah. reserved way. And if you weren't, you were like, Oh my God, you know, that, that's true. That's definitely true. And obviously like, you know, all the famous rock and roll stuff that started back then, really freak people out because of how it made people act. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like kids are freaking out. This is not good. You know? <laughs> yeah. You can move your hips that way, Elvis. You're crazy. Right. right. <laughs> and little they know six, ten years later, it'd be like, you can't take all your clothes off on stage like that. <laughs> Jim Morrison, what are you doing? You know? People, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he, they freaked out at him too. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't. I don't want to like keep you a thousand years because I probably could. But right, right. So speaking of silly, silly, crazy things, does Rick Rubin wear shoes? Because <laughs> I heard, I don't know, Rick, our, my, the, our old co-host, he was like adamant that Rick Rubin does not wear shoes. So, <laughs> Well, I got to say, I've, I've seen him wear shoes less than I've seen him not wear shoes. I think he 
he's like one of those dudes that will have sandals, but he'll take them <laughs> off as soon as he can at any given situation. And definitely in the studio, he will not wear shoes in the studio. He'll basically be sitting cross-legged on the couch with no shoes on. With like super dirty feet. I don't, I didn't really observe to be honest. I, n- I never really like, <laughs> checked them out, but I, I bet they were kind of a little dirty. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, so that's good to know. Yeah, right. <laughs> so sometimes, but mostly not. Right. Um, <laughs> we've always been curious whose idea the good life video was. Cause it's so random. Like oh. what, what's that all about? Well, that actually was a treatment that Jonathan and Valerie, the, the directors, came up with. They submitted that. Why it was chosen, I'm not exactly sure. I think there was a desire to work with them because they had just done something really important. And I can't remember what it was. It might have been um, Tonight Tonight by Smashing Pumpkins or something like that. I think that was them. Mm. So it's kind of like these guys are super talented. We need to use them. But, you know, they were sort of fighting against the vibe in Weezer at the time, which was... River's trying to be very serious. You know, he was very adamant about the vibe he wanted Pinkerton to have. And meanwhile, you had the rest of the guys who were like, but we're Weezer. Like, this, like, we can't help but just be who we are. So their whole thing was like, Jonathan and Valerie brought in this, okay, there's going to be the pizza pizza delivery girl, and she's going to be having a bad day, and blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, you guys are going to be playing, and eventually she was going to deliver a pizza to you guys, and that's where it's going to cross over, and that will be that. And, you know, it wasn't a ter- terrifically ambitious idea, but their whole th- what they were trying to do is make it visually really interesting with all these multiple camera angles. And that was kind of like, I remember that being like the most important thing at the time. It was like they were really concerned mm-hmm. about, okay, we have these four cameras and they're all going to be, be split up on the screen and it was going to be the special look. And it is in the video, but I don't remember it being particularly special in the end. It was just like, well, that's kind of cool, but no, no big deal. And they shot all the, the thing with the, the pizza girl separately. Like we never, we only saw her that brief moment. She came to the, the studio, into the studio and, you know, did her scene where she delivered the pizza or whatever. And she went off to be like a, yeah, she, an a actual actress. She was, yeah, she was in uh, that cool show, but I can't remember the name of it. Mr. Show, maybe. I think she was Mr. Show at the time. I and think then she's she, in Twenty Four. Yes, then she went. On, yeah, she went on. There's a lot of. Act- she's like that's a big deal. There's a lot of actresses that went on to other things from Weezer videos. I think we have that effect on people. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. So yeah, oh, yeah. It, we. I just was curious because it seems so like. Like I didn't get it. Like why? Like why the pizza? Yeah. Why? You know all everything it was, about it. It was. I. I think it was pretty quickly viewed as like, well, this didn't quite work, but they're putting it out anyway because it's the single. You know, I don't think anybody was. And we did it. I don't think anybody was super <laughs> excited about it. And if and you and the thing the thing that's fascinating about it is to watch the difference between how Rivers is is it behaving and how everybody else is behaving in the video, because Rivers is often has his eyes closed. He's, he's never making a joke. He wanted to be very serious. He was really feeling it. He didn't, you know, and then meanwhile, Pat and Matt are running around like airplanes and, you know, mm-hmm. and Brian's kind of mugging for the camera because there was this real split between what we should do as a band, like what our image is, like, how can we do happy days? How can we do, you know, these things and then suddenly be all serious and I think Rivers is thinking like, well, stating so is serious, and that's what's what I want to kind of go with. And I think it just was a conflict of like different visions overlaid over this video treatment that was just kind of like odd. And I'm not really sure why it was chosen. It just I think everybody just wanted to work with that the directors because they were so hot then, and everybody thought that they were really cool. 
you know, like they did this amazing video. We can, they, ours are going to be amazing too. That kind of thing. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Now, I guess I didn't really look into the, I just assumed it was like every, like all, all video ideas are Weezer's ideas directly. And oh, directors will, I mean, this not. is not really true anymore, but the directors would, would submit treatment after treatment after treatment. And, you know, you just go through reams of these things like, no, 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 no. Well, maybe <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think of any, I think the, the, the few concepts that the band of themselves has come up with where I don't know if they've ever actually pursued any of those. And the one huh. video, the few videos that I shot were not scripted, as you know, like, like photograph was not really scripted. I just shot stuff and put it together. And that's true for other little, little kind of DIY videos I've done for songs over the years. It's like, it's never been like, I'm going to direct this, you know, you know, get behind the camera and you, you know, I need a DP and I need this. Like, it was just like, I'm just shooting stuff and I'll put it together later. The only time I ever had a, a script, they didn't ever end up using it. I was going to do a dope nose video. And this was at the time it was going to, it was totally going to happen because there was no plan to like spend any money and do a video for it. I was like, all right, let's just do a, a cheap DIY video for this one just for fun. You know, like we're not going to really uh-huh. push this song. And as you know, it ended up being another, what's his name video. And it was all like the Japanese biker gang guys and stuff at night. Riding around in circles. Yeah. Like all that, all that, all those kind of crazy costumes and stuff. And that was the same guy that directed Keith Fish. And I can't remember his name off the, Marco Siega. Mar, I think it's Marco mm-hmm. Siega. But before that, like six months before that, it was like, all right, Carl, you know, you can do a video. Let's do a video. You know, this is going to be fun. I was like, cool. And I had this idea because at the time Rivers was living up in the hills in Hollywood and he had this garage rehearsal studio that you can see in very early webisodes. Like this is where they, I shot a bunch of the, the early stuff back when they were rehearsing for Green Album and stuff like that. And I thought, all right, all I have to do is make what I'm going to do here. So I'm going to set up a table and they're going to be playing Dungeons and Dragons at this table. And Rivers <laughs> is going to be the dungeon master and the other guys are going to be the players. So Rivers is going to be behind the screen kind of like scheming and like screwing everybody up. And the other guys on the other <laughs> side, like trying to get, you know, through this dungeon that he's that he's that he's you know he's hosting. But then I'm going to cut to scenes of their imagination where three guys are going through a tunnel, and like there's you know we're going to use like we we'll use like smoke machine and lighting, and I'll, and I'll have like I had a friend that knew how to make like fake rock walls with like paper and stuff, and so he's going to make uh-huh. a set basically of them going through a cave. And basically, it's going to be like this. We had this like cheap prop of like a dragon coming to blast him, you know. <laughs> and so then that would, it would cut back to the, uh, the, the the table where everybody's like, you know, like like dejected because they just got destroyed, and, and like Rivers is kind of like smirking behind the screen, like "haha, I got you." And then I think it was going to be Pat or somebody who's going to get really mad and flip the whole table over and ruin everything. <laughs> so and, yeah, I forget it. And, and I and I I I had. All the st- all the props I had bought all these like vintage Dungeons and Dragons stuff from this from this from this dealer and I had like I had a huge sword I'd gotten from like a prop shop in Hollywood <laughs> I had a wizard's robe you know that I was going to put on I can't remember who was going to wear that maybe Matt, Mikey or something I had this whole it was it got that far and then we never did it ah <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you should like just redo it like. <laughs> Pick a black album song right, right, and right. and just do right. it. Yeah, it'd be fun. I mean, this, the idea is it's not going anywhere. It's just not really going anywhere either. <laughs> well, I mean, there hasn't been like a lot of music videos. There's been some music videos, but not as many as are used to be. Yeah. Well, a lot uh, of times they're they're done not- now. Um, like our our management company, who's also like the label Crush, 
they have a little team. So you see like the, a lot of these videos they've been putting out for white album and Pacific daydream. Like they're not like big push videos, but they, you need a video. You have to have something on YouTube. So for people to find it and they're, they're pretty clever, they do some pretty cool stuff. And I really like, I really like, um, we had a lot of fun. I helped them shoot the stuff for the, um, the guns and roses looking one. Uh, I don't remember which song it was off the top of my head. Was that Feel Like Summer? I can't even remember now. It was Feel yeah, Like Summer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I was there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was like, <laughs> it was like, a, like that was a clever idea, you know? And it really looked right. Yeah. Like, they really captured it. Like, that's, that's what they look like that. <laughs> so I watched them. We, I, I think a lot of people did watch them side by side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Brian's wearing jean shorts. It's, <laughs> it was, it was a good one for sure. <laughs> well, anyway. <clears throat> <laughs> We we just discussed love is the answer. We were I was trying to figure out if anybody won the concert on Weezer Radio or whatever. Um, do you remember the the contest? There was like a contest that you could collaborate with Rivers. Like he put like he called them tubes of the song up, and like people were supposed to add to them or change them and collaborate with rivers. You mean that love is the answer song or yeah, really? See, the only one I can remember of course is when he had his whole project during the red album to write a song. And that ended up being that, that, what a, a song of um, the radio song that he ended up putting on the death of false metal. Cause that was totally collaborative and that was done through YouTube that ended up having like 25 co-writers on it because it was all these fans that contributed parts and pieces to it. Was it turn up the radio, turn it up the radio. That was a song. no, well, yeah, I mean, but that, yeah. But that's not what this that's is. That's cool. That's not, that's not what this no. is. Well, I don't think, I don't know if anybody <laughs> won that because I don't know what happened. <laughs> I think what I... It could be not. Maybe no one, yeah, nobody I mean, won. I, I remember a contest where everybody was submitting remixes of the album cover with the, you know, the dog on it. I remember that, but I don't remember this. Yeah, I guess Pat was going to pick the winner too. Like it was... Maybe he still will. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's been somehow swept under the carpet. I, I don't know if they ever actually did that. I don't know if they ever finished that one. Well, we need to figure it out immediately, Carl. Okay, we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll get we'll get, the, we'll get the squad on that one right now. All right, go go you go red team go. <laughs> well, okay, so now we'll go. I have like a serious question, yes. or kind of I guess it would be heavy. So it's not really current anymore, but it's a big deal, I, I think, in the world. Did did you or Weezer have any ties to Chris Cornell or Chester uh, Bennington? And, and what are you know? What's the general? I know, obviously, besides sadness, mm-hmm. you know, did they have any like feeling on it or? Oh. or? Well, I don't know if I can speak knowledgeably about what the what the band feels about Chester because I don't know if anybody was close to him at all, it's possible Rivers had met him once or twice, but I don't think they were in close touch. Chris Cornell is interesting. With Pat's band, Special Goodness, we did a couple of weeks opening for Audio Slave. This is back in, oh, wow. this is back in 2003. It was, a, wow. it was a time that Weezer was off. And, and I think this came... I did not know that. Yeah, this, this came about because three members of Audio Slave, except for Chris, were managed... You know, the ex-Rage guys were managed by this guy, Dan Field, who was jockeying to become Weezer's manager at the time. And somehow it was kind of like a favor, like, okay, I, maybe I can get you guys on this tour. And that was like, you know, getting in good with Pat kind of. 
And of course, it was a huge opportunity for Pat because he had no budget, no plan. He was just like putting out these little records and hoping people would figure it out that they were cool. And so I was like, yeah, let's go on tour with Audio Slave. This will be awesome. And these are hockey arenas. Yeah. Like, these are hockey arenas. These are big shows. So we had about two weeks or so opening for Audio Slave. And it was, it, it was kind of funny because, geez, it was like, special goodness, they were good, but it was like there was no stage presence. It was just like three guys playing these songs. Nobody had ever heard of them. You know, about 10 people would be like, cool, at the end of each song, and that was it. Mm-hmm. But um, then it was like, okay, we went away, and then, like, here comes Audio Slave. Holy shit, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, we, we're here because we want to be in the front right. for Audio Slave. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but um, Chris Cornell, it's not like he hung out a lot, but he was a very, very sweet guy. I mean, like, and sweet beyond, like, what was necessary. Like, he, he didn't have to even pay attention to us at all. And he was really, really nice. I think he somehow knew Pat's drummer at the time, Adam Willard, who's been in a lot of bands. So there was kind of like a little bit of connection there too. But I just remember him being like seven feet tall and thin as a rail and really, really, really nice. Like just like strangely nice. Like you're just, why are you so nice to us? Like, we, you know, you don't, you don't even have to say hi. Um, but he was just having a good time. He just was having fun. And I remember the weirdest thing was probably like the first or second day I was on stage, like we we're setting up the special goodness gear, which was like three, two amps and a drum set. There was nothing to do. And I was probably plugging in a guitar or something and I was bent over and I didn't know it, but Chris Cornell had walked across the stage at this point. And I'm like, oh, where's this go? Is it going this one or this one? And all of a sudden I feel this on my ass. And I'm like, <laughs> I turn around and Chris Cornell's walking away laughing. And I'm like, I'm like, did this just happen? Chris Cornell just slapped my ass. <laughs> I was like, Did this just happen? And that was the beginning of the, the tour. And from that point, I was just like, whenever anybody saw him, he was just like, you know, hey, what's up? He was just being super nice. That was strange, but it was funny. So I, I think, and that was the whole purpose of it was to be funny. Like break uh, the ice. Like totally, I'm, totally. Like, you don't have to be. Totally. I was just like, what the fuck is this? What is <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think everybody was super bummed out. That, that he passed. That was just awful. I mean, there's no, uh, it's just one of those, like, what a huge, gigantic waste. And, and, and absolutely. I know that in the news, it was like, oh, you know, he, you know, it was suicide and this and that. And it's like, I don't know about that. It just, it might've been a big accident. You know, he was probably doing something he shouldn't have been doing, but I can't imagine he was actually depressed about his life. He seemed to have, you know, so much going for him. You know, maybe uh, people were saying like, oh, well, there's certain kinds of drug reactions you can have to some of those drugs where you can like actually get super depressed even though you're mm-hmm. you're not normally and it can like right like they work the opposite way or something right like super like you know so it could have been like in the, in the fits of some sort of really bad like trip or whatever that that happened but it was just a shock and you know everybody was freaked out yeah obviously you were a big fan of of the music Oh, of course. I would yeah. say. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I saw them. He did K-Rock Acoustic Christmas, and he was the only um, band, Audio Slave was the only band to do acoustic oh, uh, that's cool. music that that's, night. That's cool. And I just was totally like awestruck, and um, I got emotional like just watching them, and I, I just, uh, I was so thankful that I got to see that before that happened. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. yeah it, it does. It's, it's terrible. I'm very thankful I was on that tour at all because I never got to see Soundgarden back in the early days. So it was just amazing to see him on stage. 
Speaking of Cornell's, yeah, I'm sure it was cool. The strangest Cornell coincidence. Another special goodness tour. I think this was in 2000. We played some weird little club in Phoenix, I think, and we get in there and we hear this guy guy on stage already, like sound checking or something. And it's like he's playing acoustic. He's alone. We kept looking over, so I was like, "It sounds like Chris Cornell." This is weird. And I remember we kind of checked it out. I was like, that's not Chris Cornell. No, that's not Chris Cornell. But he kind of sounds like him. He even kind of looks like him. It turned out to be his brother. <laughs> you know, he's got a brother that's also a musician. I can't remember his name. It's something Cornell. And he was opening the show that night. It's like. Oh, my gosh. And like, it's like apparently he, you know, didn't have the success of his brother. And he kind of was, you know, uh, more dicey lifestyle. I'm not really sure. So he really, you know, he never really gave himself much of a chance uh, financially to get anywhere. But he, I remember listening. I was like, this guy's good. You know, he can play good and he can sing good. And these are decent songs. It's like, this is weird. It's like, he should have been, he should have been somebody, you know, like he's obviously yeah. got a very famous brother. He could have used this, you know, but he, maybe he Some just kind of something. Yeah. So it was just a strange coincidence. Like here's another special goodness thing where we end up with a Cornell. <laughs> <laughs> And we never, like, I never knew he existed until that night. I was like, this is a thing? He's a, he, this is a guy that exists? <laughs> Me either. Yeah. So I mean, it was, it's not like you're, you know, looking, yeah. Googling Chris Cornell's family tree or something. No, and no. like, Well, he's out know, there. I don't, I, don't remember, I don't remember his name, but you, you could find, I'll you could find it. it. There's, there's got to be mentions of him somewhere. But anyway. I hope it's like Craig or, you know, it's another C. <laughs> I hope it's Craig. Yeah. You know how people do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really Craig hope it's Cornell. Craig. I just really hope it's Craig. Maybe it's Corey. Corey Cornell. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe it's, uh, you know, Fletch. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool one. Yeah. I want to be a Fletch or a jack a jackknife even. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, so how did you choose what to display on the last Carl's Corner, which was Awesome, by the way, mm, and I took pictures of literally everything. Thank you, thank you. How did you choose that stuff? And then, you know, I know you're kind of mixing it up on the next version of it, I guess mm. you would call it, mm -hmm. for the next tour. Yeah. Well, I just, I have, you know, a massive amount of stuff, and it was not easy to go through because of the fact that it was, like, packed very tightly in a small space. So I kind of used it as an excuse to, like, tear through stuff and see what I had and see what I could find. And a lot of it was kind of random. It was like, oh, I forgot about this. This is a good thing, you know. And I had discussions with the people that company 23-7 that actually helps us do that VIP room. And I, and they showed me pictures of, well, this is what Fallout Boy did. And this is what this guy's going to do and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, you know, I get it. Like, you need, you need some big pieces to show, you know, stuff. And you can have things made if you want. And can have, you know, small displays of stuff. You can have guitars. And I was like, okay, I don't have a lot of guitars, but I have some key things. I'll, put, I'll grab those. And as I started grabbing stuff like that, I was like, oh, well, here's River's guitar strap. We have to have that, obviously, you know. And I, I reached out to River's assistant and said, look, you know, I don't, you know, I know River's has, I know they all have some stuff, but the stuff that says River's on it, if I'm going to have one, I should have his. So what can you send over? And she's like, you know, you can have the Moon Man. You can have his platinum plaques for the first two albums. You can have clothes that he wore and famous things. I was like, send all that. Perfect. Then I just started going through. I mean, I have, I have filing cabinets, tons and tons and tons and tons of stuff. You know, I was like, all right, here's like 42 billion flyers. Maybe I can pick out like, maybe I can pick out like four or five of these, that kind of thing. And, you know, here's 800 million, what do you call it? 
I want to scan all your flyers <laughs> and I want to like archive and document all of your outfits. And <laughs> Well, I do too. I just haven't had time to do it. I mean, you probably know about the omnibus book, the Weezing omnibus book. I have it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you have the big one? I have the big color one. Yeah. Yes. That was the start of all that. Like that was like, we, we, we got a foothold on it. Like it needs, we need another book like that, except more focused just on the stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Well, I've been thinking Is that, that. In, the, in the works, in the plan. It's not in the works, but here. it's in my planning. It's in my head. It's in my head. Cause I want to, I want to write a book that kind of talks about the band, but I don't want to write like a, the normal kind of book. That's like, Ooh, let me mm-hmm. tell you the juicy secrets. It's like, no, i these are my friends. I'm not going to, you know, and plus there's hardly anything juicy anyway, <laughs> but I can tell stories and I can tell stories using visuals, you know? So that's kind of the idea with that. But anyway, so I just went through stuff and when I saw, I'm sure I missed a lot of things because there's a lot of like, okay, I'm not even going to look in this filing cabinet. That's like the last three years. And I don't even want to look at that right now. Like, like things like, like it's too new. No one. You know. Right. But then on the other hand, I probably missed something cool. You know, you never know. And there was whole amounts of stuff where I was just like, uh, that's good. Uh, Like I just didn't have time to like really go through everything. So I figured this time around, you know, there's a handful of things I, I picked last time that I didn't use. And there's other stuff that I was just like, you know, should I do this or this? Uh, I'll do this. And then so next time, okay, I'll do that instead, you know, but some of the, some of the stuff has to be the same because there's just things that are so iconic that I couldn't not bring them again. Like that'd just be crazy. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was just a, just like, kind of organic process of just picking stuff out and parsing it down and you know I'm sure you like going through it I mean I ha- I love looking at my old stuff and kind of remembering mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that time mm-hmm. so I'm sure like kind of like going through it like brings you back to that time and- oh definitely definitely and there's a lot of stuff that was like this is really interesting it has a complicated story behind it but how would you display this you know like I had to think about it in terms of a traveling museum so there were things I was just like I don't even know what to do with this right now. So I'm just going to sit down and think about something else. (laughs) (laughs) It's like strange. Like I have like the band calendar from 1992 and three, but it's like a desk calendar. So it's this freaking big. But it it has like all the shows, like Matt wrote in the shows and like meetings with lawyers and this and that. It's all amazing. Oh, that's cool. But to display this thing, it's like, okay, we need something, a huge frame or something. You know what I mean? It's like, you can't just have a piece of paper floating in the wind. That's like, you know, 30 years old. Letting people touch it and hold it up. Right. So that I I couldn't figure out how to bring. I was like, I'm just going to think, maybe I have to get that one framed or something and deal with it another time because there's like 15 pages. It's a whole calendar. It's like like two years of stuff, you know? That's (laughs) cool. It's like, how would you, you know, you basically have to photograph all those pages and put them in a book. It's the only way to do it. Yeah. Like scan, I like yeah. scan them on yeah. one per page or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's funny. I mean, I, I have that too from when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why am I like, I don't need this anymore. Why do I have this calendar? Right. I have a lot of that stuff too. It. I can't even read my own writing. This was a problem. So then after a while, it's like, <laughs> what does it mean? Who knows? <laughs> but I liked this calendar at the time. Right. It meant something. So, so what, what's it going to be different on the, on the next version or is it just going to be like a um, blue soccer ball instead of a red one? Or I'll I don't know the answer well enough to give you a good answer. Um, but because it's going to be indoors every day, that gives me some hope because a lot of things were kind of scaled back because of wind, rain, or problems like that, like outdoor things. And so I'm thinking, well, I could do a little bit more stuff that would be perhaps delicate, you know, and we wouldn't have to worry about the the weather as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still in the process of like 
just barely starting to think about it, like just starting to like go through my thought process of like, what, what do I want? What don't I want? So I can't really give you a good answer on that right now. It will be somewhat different. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, the hacky sack from Say It Ain't So yeah. <laughs> and the talisman from uh, Michael and Carly. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. There, there's just a lot of things that, you know, I didn't know that there was like little pill bottles for the, we're all on drugs. Mm, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there was some cool stuff that I noticed that I never knew existed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then other stuff that I knew existed that I was like, that is really cool to see in real life. Well, um, I want to, uh, like I said, there's certain things that are just so important that I don't think I couldn't bring some of that stuff back again. So it, it just depends on a lot of things. Like what happened? Exactly. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Like, do you have an ultimate favorite item that you hmm. like treasure? <laughs> Well, I, you know, I guess I treasure it all, but um, my 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 favorite stuff is the earliest stuff, like the very earliest flyers, the earliest tapes, you know, the earth cassette tapes and stuff, because that's what it all started as. There was originally there was only a handful of tapes and our flyers, and that was almost it. Like so, that's like that's where it all kind of started as far as stuff goes. It's like the most precious stuff, I guess, because it's like irreplaceable and it, you know, the only stuff of that time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I still have my original stickers, Mm -hmm. like the oval and the square Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from when I first joined the fan club. And I thought it was weird that I saved them because I didn't remember even saving them. That's cool. That's cool. But like that's probably my my most treasured thing because it's like, oh, you know, like. Well, stuff like that, it's like, it's not I like don't know. We, we stop making it. You know, you can't get another one unless you find one on eBay or whatever. It's like, it's, that's just, it's, you know the stuff that gets made and it's never made again. So it's, it's cool like that. It, it, yeah. it revokes that whole era very much. And I still, and I like the omnibus too, because I don't know. Um, we just moved and there's everything's everywhere, not just moved, but it's a thing. And um, I can look at the wee zines and I remember getting the wee zine where Brian went to prom with somebody. Mm. And I was like, <laughs> I want to go to prom with Brian. Like, <laughs> I just remember, like, it. I totally, like, seeing it, and I remember, like, the color of mm-hmm. it, because it was all, mm-hmm. like, on colored paper and black and white photocopy uh, mm-hmm. back in the day, mm-hmm. <laughs> and just takes me right back yeah. to, like, my room and looking at the wheezing. Well, it's and, funny, because that, what that does for me, that, that in particular, is she was one of, like, what I call, like, the original first wave of like hardcore Weezer fans. Like there was like about 12 or 15 people in the LA area that came to every show and we ended up knowing their names and they were like some of the first people to join the fan club. And she was one of them. And it's funny. It's like, it's weird how like a face like that, it's like, you know, I don't know anything about that person. I just know she's one of those people. And it's like, now they, I wonder if any of them even care about Weezer, you know, it's like, it's like (laughs) literally 25 years later. Like, are they, do they even remember? Do they care? Is it, how important is it to those people? You know, it's strange. And like, yet I, so it, you, you don't still, or Brian doesn't keep in touch with her I don't anymore. Think so. no, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I think because of that prom, there was more contact with her than, than most, but, uh, most of those fans, but like, yeah, it was like, I think there was a few that, you know, you'd see in later years, once in a while, like, Oh, it's her at the show or him at the show or whatever. But at this point, it's like, geez, I wonder if any of them actually are into it, you know, because they're all certainly all grown up now, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
But like, there's other fans that that we know they've been into it for for all this time, and they're still into it. So it's like, I wonder. I have a friend from the fan club that I recently like reconnected with, and I know like she still likes Weezer, mm-hmm. but not gonna get into the fan club probably, right, and right. just is kind of like in a different place yeah. now yeah. than you know wanting to be like super into Weezer anymore, but still a fan. I think once you're a fan of Somebody will always be a fan. You might not be like that's true. hardcore, but yeah, that's true. There's like, especially if you were part of, if you were like one of the original fan club members, like Weezer's got a special place in your heart mm-hmm, for sure. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. whether or not you see them, like maybe they moved somewhere where they don't tour anymore or something. But yeah, I've always been super curious about the West Side Weirdos penance. You know, uh, I don't know where that came from. I think somehow. <laughs> I know there's I th- an artist that did them. Yeah, and I don't know what connection the artist has. I think he's somebody that that management knew, and so like they proposed that as like a you know, hey, what do, what do you think of this? And you know, uh, I don't know um, who's had like the final approval over stuff, or if you know Rivers was particularly into it or not. But I don't know the meaning. Like I don't know what they were like trying to say, except. Obviously, the you know the origins of Weezer on the west are, are West LA, you know. So mm-hmm. there's that. So it does connect in that way. But I don't know. I don't know. I've never heard officially like, hey, this is what that means. <laughs> it's interesting because I well, I always thought it would be like a, a song title or a lyric, right? Well, or something. Anything. It might have but... been either or both. But I don't know if that. Yeah, I don't know. But apparently it didn't happen if it was. If it, yeah, if it, if it happened, if it didn't, if it was something, it never happened. That's true. And I, I'm kind of going back to memory lane here, but I saw pictures of you with Alan family at like a, I think it was a photo opportunity at the last tour. Mm-hmm. I think it was last tour. Mm-hmm. Or it was a mm-hmm. different tour. Are you guys still really close with them? We're not close beyond like if we go through Salt Lake City, I'll invite them to a show. It, only because... You know, they've all moved on with their lives and they, you know, they have all those, like Michael and Carly's uh, brothers both have families. And I think like old, like old, you know, old kids now, like, you know, adult kids. So they've all, and, and, uh, Mr. Allen died some years ago. Mrs. Allen is still with us and she's, she's great. She's just as sweet as she's always been. I'm in like email contact with the brothers from time to time, you know, but outside of like meeting up at a show, there's, there's not like, a whole lot of contact. Um, I'm glad there is. It's nice. I sent them the omnibus. They loved it. You know, they thought that was great. I'm sure it probably makes them smile. And oh yeah, no, it, 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 it made their mom, their mom th- thrilled. Like she thought it was really cool. Proud. So yeah, it's just you know everybody's just got their own life, and you can't have you know it's yeah. impossible to have like endlessly expanding social circles. You can't keep up with it. I know. But but it's <laughs> I, it's one of those like people that will will reach out when we're in, we're near them. So that's nice. Do you have a special memory uh, with Michael and Carly that you kind of like fondly oh, remember? Well, I just remember having fun times at the house they had in Portland. We'd come through town or if I was, you know, staying, I had a friend that lived in Portland too. So sometimes I'd, you know, be staying there and then they'd come over to their place. And it was always fun just to hang out there. Like there, it was basically, if you went over there, it was like kind of an automatic like party situation. Like, okay, we're just gonna, you know, we're gonna have food and we're gonna hang out and you know, we're gonna have fun. And uh, it's funny. Like, I can specifically remember 
you know, when I hung out with them at certain shows, you know, like wh- where they were and what happened and stuff. And it, like just things like I just remember having pizza with Carly one time at, a, at some pizza place in Portland. And uh, that was funny. But mostly it's, I think the best memories would be at their house because it was just fun. It was a fun time. Just hanging out and Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was exciting because it was like, there's just so much going on at that point. I was like, oh my God, like, you know, how are you guys keeping up with all this stuff? <laughs> Trash bags of of letters, in, in, apparently. Yeah, yeah both in and out, incoming and outgoing as far as lyrics and stuff goes. I mean, they, they worked hard. They did a lot of work. And they're funny people, man. They were funny. They're really funny girls. <laughs> they're hilarious. Yeah, they seem to definitely have personality, like good, like fun personalities. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. <laughs> All right. So is there anything like special or specific that you miss about like the good old days, like the beginning of Weezer? Mm. Santa Monica, the garage. <laughs> well, I have very visceral memories of all that that are fun to reminisce on. And um, like people say like, oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't go back now only because so many things in my life has been established since then that I wouldn't want to change, you know, or, or, go, or lose. Go back there. Right. <laughs> yeah, I totally but understand. But in terms of, you know, my memories and stuff, I've got, you know, I mean, it was a very, very special time when, when that was all getting started. It was a lot, there's a lot of magic, you know, just like Rivers literally working on demos in, in our garage, in the garage there. And then you just walk in there and listen to what he just did. And then like, oh yeah, let's, you know, the band just walk in and start jamming on it. And like, you know, in like a week you'd be like, this song sounds kind of cool. And then you find, you realize later, okay, it's called Say It Ain't So. Like, I mean, just witnessing these things happen. It's like, I'll, you know, I'll never forget any of that. It's amazing. And you know, it's I'll, like part of history now. It is now, which is weird. It, like at, at the time, it didn't feel that way. Yeah, and then you know, just the whole vibe of LA. I mean, I know it hasn't changed drastically. At, oh, it's it's definitely changed. It's definitely changed. I, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are gone now, and a lot of things that have been built and changed physically. But I mean, I'm talking in terms of like, like I just remember walking in West LA at night. We'd be walking back from some place or whatever, and it's just like the smell of those weird trees with the with the weird spiky pink blossoms all over them at night. Like they, they, they really stink, you know, <laughs> and like the kind of like cool ocean air, you know what I mean? Like where it's kind mm-hmm. of like damp and just things being kind of like weird and quiet at night out there. It's like, I, I it's a lot of, uh, a lot of just sort of like sense memories, you know, like I can think back to like what it felt like walking, like just what it felt like to walk around and be around that and like the smells and like what certain corners were like and certain buildings and stores and, and I know a lot of that's totally changed, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's like, I, I feel, well, I, and I feel the scene too. There's like this whole scene. Well, right. Like. And like, we didn't even realize what it was, you know, all we knew is that the hair metal was dying and thank God, you know, it was like, all right, what, yeah. you know, but and replacing it was like this like hodgepodge and, uh, total hodgepodge. Like there, you can't say that there was anyone yeah. thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, there was this, there was this sort of like these kind of transitional bands that were kind of, kind of funky, but kind of metal, but kind of this and kind of that. And like, you know, these, and, uh, it's like, what is this music? And is, and like, you know, some of them got signed and you're like, really the limbo maniacs, like who the hell is going <laughs> to, who are these guys? You know, <laughs> like, but making, making music that sounded like, like in LA, there was hardly anybody that was making music that sounded like pavement or, or pixies and stuff, you know, like those bands existed, you know, they, they'd grown out of like college rock and they were like a thing, but like in LA, it's like, it, you would be hard pressed to find bands like that. So it really felt like, you know, we were taking a stand like, okay, we're going to do this. 
And who else is doing this? Nobody. Like, like really, like every bill we were on, it was like, okay, these guys are kind of like the, you know, the they're kind of like the cult and these guys are kind of like Jane's addiction. And these guys are kind of like, you know, uh, we don't know what these guys are trying to be like, like the misfits crossed with, you know, God knows what with a, with a girl singer. It's like, what the hell is this? And here comes Weezer and they're wearing t-shirts and they're like, they're, they have no style whatsoever. They're just plain dudes. And wait, these are just like, you know, these kind of plaintive, these plaintive, like, you know, alternative rock songs, like, which nobody even called it alternative rock yet. So, what I remember most about the scene was like going to all these clubs trying to get like people coming to shows, and it was tough because LA was full of people that were like, okay, they're either scouting looking for bands to sign, or they're there to watch their friend's band and they don't care about your band. And there's almost nobody that's just like, I'm here to see music, show me music. Like there was almost none of that in every other city. People would go to a club like. I'll check out these bands. Who knows what I might see? Like, this sounds cool. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, it didn't no, happen. I feel like you went for a specific, like at the, at the clubs in those days, the, the bands that played at those clubs were rock bands. Like you didn't have like hip hop groups or oh, no, no. rapping at those, at those clubs. Um, no, no. there was like comedy clubs or there was like a Brit pop band mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, like punk yeah. or like rock, but there wasn't really any like dudes in a band hanging out playing, you no. know, something that means something. It's like you had to be a thing. Part of it's the whole, the whole, but the whole function of the, of the scene was back then was, was it was a industry vehicle. It's like almost nobody started a band back then thinking, I just want to play music. Like most people started bands thinking like, maybe I can get signed. Like that was the whole thing. That was what <laughs> they were doing. And you see some of these bands are like, what do you think you're going to get signed doing what you're doing? What the hell is this? You know? So that, but then there would be bands that would be like, they're so original and so unique. Like they're never going to get big, but this is, this could have only happened here where there's like all these freaks and they're just like, you know, interacting and creating something that's like never been seen before or since. Like I, we saw, I remember seeing some really weird bands that are just, <laughs> Who knows what happened to them? But they were really interesting. <laughs> and it's like, were they rebelling well, against LA? Were they telling LA, you know, go 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 f yourself? Or were they like <laughs> really thinking they were going to get somewhere? Like, I, I don't know. I think one of the um, the funniest ones were our friends in the band called the Dum Dums, and their whole never heard of them. Well, their whole thing, like actually, Pat Wilson was in that band for a little while because their original uh, drummer bailed. And, Pat, and they kind of asked Pat, and, and Weezer had already started at this point, but Pat, so Pat was kind of moonlighting a little bit. Mm-hmm. And this was these were guys that their whole thing was they had they looked like the most uh, like the glam metal guys in like the late eighties. These guys were there to make fun of them, basically. But what they did is they looked so extreme, like they said, "Okay, if these guys are going to have gigantic hair. We're going to have like gigantic." gigantic hair and like they'd use like like a, you know like a gallon of hairspray and the hair just be like, <laughs> like this you know and then they wear like sounds amazing and then they wear like plaid suits and like crazy big colorful sneakers and they, it was almost like this kind of like almost clown metal in a sense and they'd have they did makeup and they had like you know they had they did foundation and like the eyeliner and stuff and they, it was like this whole like you know sexy glam thing but like way <laughs> over the top where it was like this is ridiculous and the music sounded like basically metal Ramones and the songs were all like super snotty and like, you know, like sarcastic. 
And they'd get up there and they had a following. Like a couple hundred people would come watch their show because nothing else was like them. And they were funny. Like this is something that could Well, it sounds like it was a show and people like that. This could only have happened at that time period is what I'm saying. Like it would not happen today and it couldn't have happened 10 years earlier. Like it had to happen at that weird... People would be like, "Uh, this is like really stupid. Right. It was like this this thing where it's like you had these guys that were like like smarter than than the dudes in like these like, you know... Basically, like everybody wanted to be like Motley Crue, and nobody had the songs. So he had all these bands that were just like you know, you know, he's, he's got no shirt on, and his hair is like this. And he's like, Ugh. and it's like, dude, get over yourself. <laughs> so you know, the Dum Dums were like, you know, f you, you guys are all idiots. You know, this is this is what we should be doing, and uh, <laughs> it was funny as hell. It was funny as hell. And they used to have Pat before Pat joined him and our other friend, also named Pat. And even Matt, before Matt, this is way before Weezer, they used to have this thing like, we need we need guys in fat suits to come out. And they'd <laughs> stuff their clothes with pillows. And they'd come out like, <laughs> while these dudes were playing, you know, they're, they're these like, you know, almost Ramonesy kind of songs with these like metal guitars. And they'd just like dance around all huge and bounce off of each other. It's like, it was like this part of the show. It was like, what a weird thing. Like so weird. And that's, I don't know. Those are. Is there video of this or pictures? There's some pictures. There's some pictures, <laughs> and there's the funny thing is they somehow got ran into like they somehow got uh, friends with Polly Shore, and they had this <laughs> one thing where they got an MTV in this one show. It was like Polly Shore is something or something or other, and like the house band was the Dum Dums, and that was like they thought they were this is their ticket to somewhere, and it never went anywhere, and they were always mad about that, but. That was, was it a movie? It was part of something. I can't remember what. I have to think back. Why does this sound familiar? It's it's, it's a thing that happened. It, but anyway, like that was like their like their last gasp. It was like, oh, we're gonna do this thing for MTV, and it's gonna be you know Polly, Polly Shore. Shore, and then nothing happened. You know, because <laughs> it was Shore it wasn't too. designed for that world. Like, it wasn't designed for that world. But anyway, that that's a memory I have. It's just like Jesus. You know, it was a weird <laughs> confluence of like culture and timing and music it was like this very strange like like everything kind of went and then blew up into this new thing after that like right around like you know 92 it just all started changing again i yeah i I, and it's kind of like the end of freedom for kids or not freedom but just like kind of lackadaisical parenting where you could kind of like adventure and yeah that's true that's true A a lot of things shifted that's that's true just and the and the music, I think it's a, definitely a pivotal part of uh, like music history and culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think the, the the right book has been written yet about it because a lot of books have been written about certain aspects, certain bands, certain things. But like, there's something about like this. It's very hard to put a finger on, and we were there, and I can't barely explain it. You know, it's like <laughs> we knew, and you could see it, but you didn't know what it was. You know, it was like. Why is this band at this club and what's going on here? And it's like, you can, it's a very strange time. Also, all over the place. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. just kind of like, I don't know, people were probably like throwing things at the wall and seeing what would make them famous, maybe. Mm -hmm. There's some of that. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, anyway, anyway, I I, I digress. (laughs) But, uh, So it's 
Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Carl, for interviewing with us. We appreciate it so much. If you want to check out more from Carl, he's on Instagram and Twitter as Carlophone, which is a Parlophone with a Carl, K-A-R-L-O-P-H-O-N-E. If you want more Weezer information, go to Weezer's website, which is, hopefully you know this already, www.weezer.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to We Are Weezer on your podcast apps. If you like the show, we always appreciate a review. And leave us a review and we'll give you a shout out. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at We Are Weezer. You can email us at weareweezerforever at gmail.com. And again, thank you so much for listening. It means a lot. And that's it. Adios. We are Weezer, and I love you.